Welcome to this EG Investing Through Auctions podcast. We're going to be looking at how the auction buyer can navigate the commercial property market during COVID and beyond. Now more than ever, that seems to require bucket loads of entrepreneurial skill, creativity and resilience. And I'm delighted to be joined by three individuals who know all about that from their different roles in the market. I'm joined by private investor Stephen Ashworth, Chairman and CEO of Manchester-based Hurstwood Holdings, in which he is the major shareholder. Hurstwood Holdings is a commercial investment group with more than £180 million worth of commercial and residential assets, housing around 900 occupier clients. Also joining us is Anthony Ratcliffe of Ratcliffe's Chartered Surveyors, which he set up more than 50 years ago to specialise in the creation and management of prime commercial property investment portfolios on behalf of investors with those portfolios ranging in size from £1 million worth to more than £50 million worth of assets. And we're joined by auctioneer George Walker, who has shared the rostrum in the commercial auction room for Allsop since the late 90s, and who has led the team's recent switch to online auctions due to COVID, and since the onset of the pandemic has overseen the sale of more than £500 million worth of stock, largely to the private investor market. Welcome to all of you. Now, one of those many private investors to have bought through Allsop recently is Stephen Ashworth. So, Stephen, if we could start with you, could you tell us about your strategy, perhaps going back a few years and then bringing us right up to date with what you've been buying through auction during the pandemic? Yes, of course. Thank you, Julia. Nice to be here. Um, Well, I think our strategy changed dramatically in uh, 08 at the start of the property crisis, when I think everybody in property had to change and make some big changes in their working lives. Uh, up until that point, we were very active. We were a very active developer, house builder, um, shed builder, etc. Um, we had a contracting division, and we were very much um, a, a development first and foremost. Um, I had started um, doing more and more investments over the years, but it was still very much um, a, a, a second option in the business. And I think what happened the changes I had to make during the three years of that very difficult, three or four years of that very difficult financial crisis from 08 really through to probably 13, so five years, was really switched from a lot of development to minimal development at the time and really sort of cling on to the investment that we had at that time and build from there. Uh, And and that's really the format that we run today. We, We are now 90% 90% investment and 10% uh, developments, which comprises of some housing and some um, shed um, industrial development. But yeah, I'm very proud of, of, of how we've grown in the last 13 years. Um, we've, we've more than doubled, trebled our capacity and, and to, as you've just said, 120 sites nationwide. We were very focused in, uh, in Lancashire originally and then into Greater Manchester and Cheshire. Uh, and now we're nationwide with properties in the south, in Scotland and in Wales. So very proud uh, of of that and the fact that we can um, we can attract the market now uh, in all areas of of the country. Uh, I've picked three examples of the many deals we've done. We've actually had a very busy three years. The last three years we've bought 33 properties in the last 36 months. Um, and lots of those with Allsops uh, built up a good relationship with the team at, uh, at Allsop and uh, very impressed with 
how they put things together and um, and, and how they act both for the clients and for the buyer. So straight on to the examples, um, I will start with a, a property we bought in East Kilbride, Redwood Crescent, an industrial property. We completed that in November 2020. We funded it with Rothschilds. Uh, the purchase price was 800,000. Passing rent of 80,410. 14,600 square feet and a net initial yield at 10%, uh, which is very much our our model really as a, as a as an investor we go for the higher yielding and higher estate management properties so we have our own in-house management team here in, in the center of manchester i've got a team of 25 in the head office and another 30 people out across the country um, both maintaining our properties and managing them and managing them on the ground um, and indeed we uh, we spend quite a bit of money each year refurbishing properties, looking after them, improving them for our clients. So um, again, it's very hard to find high yielding industrial at the moment, but we, we do tend to pick out the odd one here and there. And, um, and, and that's the example for industrial, which is where we started in business really, and where we started, certainly where we started in, in, in our investment profile uh, many years ago. Um, we across the portfolio it's it's approximately 45 percent industrial 45 percent offices and around 10 percent of retail leisure bits and pieces mixed in here and there so uh, moving on to the office side we bought a property in november 2020 uh, again the same auction i think gateway house bromborough in, in in on the wirral funded by Together Money, who've been uh, fabulous, really supporting us uh, throughout our auction uh, life, really, our auction um, uh, progression. They've really been uh, very, very supportive. Purchase price was 1.1 million for 31,308 square feet. I was really pleased with that deal. Passing <laughs> income at the time was 141,000, and it's now 154,000. Um, net initial yield was at the time around 13%. Um, I was delighted with it. We've spent, since we bought it 18 months ago, we've spent, um, sorry, only six months ago, we've spent oh, 200,000 on it already. It, it went straight to the top of the pile for the refurbishment program. And um, we were constantly re refurbishing around 10 of our properties at any one time. Um, and, uh, you know, constantly improving them. And um, we've started to, it, it pays dividends because we improve the reception areas, the communal areas, improve the offering. We reduce the floor spaces in each office now to to compensate for what people require. People require in terms of COVID, post-COVID requirements, mm -hmm. and we've done very well there. We've started letting suites straight away. So, um, and then moving on to the third example, uh, which is probably the most poignant example for today's discussion, is the uh, Lawburn Shopping Centre in Dumfries uh, and all through my career I've wanted to get into retail um, um, right from from day one really when um, when we couldn't really get into retail we didn't really have the resource in the very early days or indeed um, the contacts in the very early days I'm talking 20-25 years ago uh, but um, you know we did we did our best and but we ended up doing a lot of industrial development which has stood us in good stead and, and we've still got most of those schemes 
certainly a lot of those schemes now in our investment portfolio. But I always find retail far too expensive to suit our model. Uh, and uh, obviously it's tumbled in value in the last 10 years. And um, it was just at the right time. It was just picking the time really to sort of get in really and, and start. I looked at the one in um, Coventry, which Allsop's had in the previous auction. I was very interested in that, talked to the team about it. Um, decided um, that I couldn't, I couldn't really stretch to that at the time for whatever reason. Uh, but then I was determined following that that I was going to have one. So um, cut a long story short, we managed to uh, uh, agree a deal on the Lorburn Shopping Centre. Completed on the 15th of April 2021. I pride, I pride our reputation on completing deals on time and the Allsops team, the Allsops team will indeed, I'm certain, back that up. We, you know, we don't, we don't play games, we don't adjust things, we don't mess around. We agree a deal and it's, it's really important to us to, to stick to that deal and to complete on time. And that's why we get offered so much, so many opportunities. People trust us and we, we, um, we repair that trust with good, good completions and uh, good performance. We paid 2.9 million for it. Passing rent is 882,000 plus, plus the service charge. It's 94,821 square feet. Net initial yield of 31%. And uh, we've got great plans for it. Engaging with the community in Dumfries. Uh, we're looking at a food hall in there, uh, creating a food hall. We're looking at creating some business space in there, some office space to improve the offering and really sort of go into the heart of uh, the, uh, the area of Dumfries. Uh, why did I like it? Why did I go for it? It's very simple, really. It's the only shopping centre in Dumfries. It's right in the heart of the town. Literally, the town cross is right outside. Uh, it's next door and connected to Marks and Spencer's. I felt it was a great example, great opportunity. And um, I think we've been proven right. It's, um, it's reopened quickly. It's trading well. Um, we've already uh, instructed architects to, um, to start work on our new plans for um, some of the, the vacant space. There's not a great amount of vacant space, to be honest, but we're already looking at the options I've already mentioned for that. And I'm very excited about it. I've got, uh, I've got a team from Manchester all over it. We've got uh, a great um, a great couple of members of the team here in Manchester, Matthew Bint and um, Leslie Ann, who are all over it, uh, working uh, working really hard to to make it happen, and um, and they've already made some great strides. So I'm I'm, I'm excited at the prospects. Yeah. Thank you for going through that. That that's that sounds really interesting. Um, do you so do you, you you weren't put off by all the the issues that are, are, are happening in the retail sector? Do you do you think it's um, coming to it with sort of fresh eyes, having sort of your all your experience in 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 these other sectors, um, um, without the baggage that perhaps some other retail investors have? Do you think that was important um, in think, making your decision? Yeah, I, I mean we are we are an owner managed business. Um, you know, I've run this business for uh, well over 20 years, 25 years, and um, it, it's uh, we we handle all all of our estate management ourselves. And I always say in this business, and um, you know, we are all estate managers, including me. We're all we all manage property, and I think that's our skill. 
uh, we were good at collecting our rents. We, we we try hard uh, for our for our clients, our tenants. As long as they pay us, we try very hard for them. We're we're, we're strong at collecting our rents. You know, we soon come down on people if they don't pay. Um, and um, we work hard at our buildings. We we improve them. Uh, and no, I wasn't put off by all the retail nightmares purely and simply because I really do feel that we've hit the bottom of the market with shopping centres. Right. Uh, I, I really do feel it's you know we're bobbling along the bottom. Yes, the challenging. And yes, to a to a, an investor who hasn't got a team around him or her like I have, um, you know, good estate managers, a good platform like this in the centre of Manchester doesn't come overnight. You know, it's taken me 20 years to build this investment platform. And uh, I'm, I'm very proud of it. I'm very proud of my team and, and how they perform and, and how they, you know, they love our portfolio like it's their own. I mean, that's the culture here. Mm. Um, and you know we try very very hard to provide the best possible service we can for our client at the best possible rates so we're competitive um we don't we don't use agents in terms of estate management we do in terms of acquisition and sales of course and we're very close to all our contacts here in manchester but when it comes to estate management we do it all ourselves and it, and it's a very flat structure and myself and uh, my uh, team of excellent directors are very hands-on with this and that's our that's our skill you, you know we, we, we deal with the problem warts and all we're at the rock face and we get stuck in and and, and we cut out we cut out the, the a lot of the problems in my opinion julia are dealing with um and i'm not i'm not i'm not decrying the service please please don't think i am but you know investors having to rely on estate managers who uh, once, uh, uh, you know, one month somebody's dealing with it, the next month somebody else is dealing with it. In this team here in Manchester, an individual has their own property to deal with and they collect their own debt. So it's as simple as that. They are responsible for the performance of that particular property, be it industrial, be it office, be it, re be it retail, be it leisure. Um, and we have lots of everything in, in, in those regards. They are responsible for not only the performance of, of the sales, but the performance of the debt collection and the mm. performance of how they also integrate with the refurbishment team in how the, in how it looks and how it's presented. That's something else I'm very strong on and very particular about in terms of how how we present our buildings and, and uh, you know, the corporate branding, et cetera. So, you know, we, we don't get everything spot on, but we, we've been at it a long time. And I like to think that we, you know, we get most things right these days. Yeah. We've made a few mistakes and learnt along the way. So... <laughs> as all the best investors have I think um so so it's very much it, it's about re, uh, rental growth and capital growth it's it, it, it you see a future for retail there in that in that site it's not about knocking it down and building flats it's about it's it's about getting the right sort of retail and other occupier space yeah as an investor yeah. I, d I don't buy anything to knock down and start again I just don't it's not my profile it's not my business model I buy to I am all about rent roll. I'm all about filling buildings, making people happy in them, you know, getting the best value for them and getting the best value out of the building so that we can make a profit. It's as simple as that. Um, and that applies to the shopping centre that I've just bought. And yes, I'd like to buy some more. It's all about for me um, um, maximising uh, the, the investment and and making good. You know what is there. And do I do I think there's a future in retail? Yes, I, I most certainly do, especially in the communities in in the provincial areas 
where people people need to get out and go shopping and meet people and, and have something to eat, have something to drink, meet the friends, you know, go and buy something. You know, people are bored of, 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 of buying online. Yes, of course, online is the, the future and, and the, the, the predominant way to shop. Of course it is, but it's not entirely that. You know, people need the experience and, and especially now after COVID, people need to get out and walk and, and enjoy enjoy a day out in the shops. Mm-hmm. It's the way we're made. We are. We and, and people people want to. You know, we are a nation of shopkeepers. We always have been. People want to to own their own shop and and you know w- walking around the communities of the shopping centres because I've looked at four or five before I bought one. Just seeing the communities in those shopping centres. And the way that they interact with each other and they get on and they're all part of a, of, a, of, a, of a big sort of collection of friends and they see each other every day. That's what people want. People want to be part of that. People want to experience that. So, yes, mm. retail shopping centres has its place in British society, most definitely. Yeah, good to hear. And um, and the, the multiples that you've got there, are there, can you give us some of the an idea of some of the names and, and, and those you think that are going to going to stay? Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm a big fan of the community-led. Um, uh, I'm a very big fan of the community-led uh, uh, shopper, uh, shopkeeper. I think they make better tenants. They pay their rent for a start, and um, I think the, they 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 are serving a better purpose in these shopping centres. Yes, of course, the corporates have have the place and and the good anchors for shopping centres. Of course, they are, but they're harder to deal with. They push you around as a landlord. Uh, they don't pay as well. Uh, they maximise their power as a PLC, and and it's not it's not happy. It's not a good place to be on the end of. I would much 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 further do, uh, sooner do a deal with a local person uh, who wants to run their own business there. I would much sooner do that deal. And mm. from my point of view, they would get priority every time. So that's how I feel, you know, without going into names for PLCs, you know, we've been treated badly by one or two in the last 18, 20 months. But, you know, your own and managed business like 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 mine, like the one the one that that I run, we pay our bills on time because it reflects on, you know, my personal reputation and and my board of directors. And, um, you know, we don't hide behind PLC corporate corporate banners. We we get on with things. And I don't like the way that, that, that certain and I must say certain PLCs treat people especially landlords mm. speaking out for the landlord nation, nationwide now. yeah george did you want to come in there yeah i think it's a very interesting point and we've seen that a lot through um localization and people like suburban in retail suburban shops more than they look for the um corporate tenants partly from where i'm coming from because the rents have never got huge but do you think we should we should slightly and anthony will have a view on this to re rethink the calibration of tenants but you know the yield of an asset assuming the rents the same should be better for a corporate tenant than a, than a more local tenant but assuming the rents the same it's correct do you think the other investors will think the same as Stephen and think well hang on I'd rather get the local guy running his coffee shop a crack than uh, than a corporate so after your experience in the last 12 months when you've been thrown around a bit do you think we should re-rate things that's really interesting that you come up with that George I had the same conversation over lunch today with the client as to um, the experience we've had uh, over the management of the estate uh, over the last 15, 18 months. Um, exactly as Stephen has said, the, the, the majors have bullied us, behaved appallingly, 
ex exploitive CVAs in a way that was never supposed to be possible. Um, and for historical reasons, the, the element of our tenant percentage that is private or local is so small because we always bought the bank or the supermarket or Greg's or Specsavers or Boots or Smith's or whatever, and we didn't buy the local guy. But we do have just a handful within the portfolio. And without exception, every one of them behaved really well with us. They came to us for help. We offered the help. They took it. They were grateful for it. And once they got the help, they then, after that, behaved impeccably. And there was a real lesson in that. Um, so I absolutely go along with what Stephen's saying. And the discussion I had at lunch today with my client was, yes, but will the investment market also pick up on that? And I said, it's, the property's got to be good. The position has got to be good. Um, and I think then eventually the penny will drop. The, the local guy running the coffee shop, as opposed to the corporate running the the coffee shop is actually the person that you would rather deal with. It'll take a little bit of time. It reminded me then of a story where I probably can now name the company involved. But a good number of years ago, we had a top shop investment, which we were um, uh, going to offer for sale. And I spoke to uh, George's illustrious pre uh, predecessor, Patrick Kerr, and said, um, Patrick, I'm thinking that we want to sell this. And uh, you know, what would you reckon? So he said, well, it's 6% out of me. And I said, what? No, 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 it's a 5%. It's a 5%. You're not saying It's a familiar conversation, by the way. He, he, said, he said, Anthony, you are overlooking the Arcadia factor. And this was at a time when the um, much lauded owner of Arcadia was flying high in terms of covenant, but he had built such a dreadful reputation in the property market by the way he handled rent reviews, lease renewals, and so on, that investors were averse to buying even a prime top shop. And so I think, in fact, we sold it by private treaty and got a bit nearer my price than Patrick's. But that's not the point. That was the first time I'd heard about the Arcadia factor. And today, of course, they are gone, but there are others that could be put in exactly the same um, category in the terms of the, the, the way they have behaved with us. Um, mm. And, you know, um, I've been in print uh, quite uh, heavily um, um, criticising the, um, the, the former owners of uh, Edinburgh Woolermill, uh, which now, of course, has been sold. And to everyone's surprise, the new owners are rather similar to the old ones. <laughs> So sorry. Okay. Anyway, that's that. No, that's that's it's a it's a great insight because obviously there've been yeah plenty of issues to deal with which you must have been grappling with Anthony across the different portfolios that we, you look after. Yeah. When when the, when at the start of the pandemic, um, when the first lockdown came in, um, I said to my client base, I believe that we it's important we show some solidarity with the tenants and that we show them that, you know, we're alongside with them, you know, they're suffering with lockdown and we're going to share the pain. And I suggested to my um, um, client base um, that we offered in the March quarter 50% rent relief, not uh, as a waiver, not a deferral, 
we would give 50% in the quarter. And I also got authority from the clients to do, offer that again in the June quarter if necessary. But we were rather hoping that it wouldn't be necessary because we didn't know a lot about what was going to happen in, in March. To my uh, amazement and delight, 96% of my client base backed what I said. And so we offered that relief. Um, but some of the corporates just wouldn't engage. Even a 50% relief, they weren't prepared to pay anything. Um, and we, we gave the relief and it was gratefully accepted uh, amongst our mid-range multiple groups, shall we say. Um, um, an example was Seasalt, lovely little firm. I can't remember now, 50, 80 shops, something like that. Uh, delightful people to deal with, straightforward. You know, um, thanked us for the thanked us for the offer, took it, and then after that, behaved impeccably with us. Um, we had um, uh, Boots refused to engage. Took us six months to get them to talk to us. Didn't talk to us until the September. We finally did a deal in September and gave them less relief than I offered them in March. But, you know, so uh, you know, we got a lot of stories about. Um, how, how the, the, the tenants have, have behaved. But, and, and even here's another interesting one. Um, with one of the major banks that was exiting one of our properties, and we agreed a terminal schedule of dilapidations, and then we agreed that they would pay it rather than do the work. We agreed that in October last year, and they still haven't paid us. And that's a bank. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Pretty, pretty poor, poor behaviour. So, would so have you carried on buying retail, or are you focusing on other sectors? Or no, good, no, I'm too, I'm too old a dog. You know, retail is the only thing I understand. I've been doing it since I was 17 years old. I can't learn any new tricks now. But also, <laughs> I, I totally echo what Stephen has said. Shopping is a vital social experience. You need it for your mental well-being, right? And people can't wait to get out there again and shop, right? And um, but what we as landlords must be aware of is too many of our town centres are jaded. Too many of the multiple retail offers are tired and old fashioned. And we need some um, entrepreneurship, creativity, some flair and excitement and interest to come back into our high streets. And that, I think, will come from... Uh, the, the private and the startup uh, uh, people. Uh, a surveyor friend of mine that I saw yesterday to, uh, who lives close to Marlow told me this interesting fact. I mean, Marlow's always been a blue chip place. Right? He said just over a year ago, there were 15 vacant shops in the town centre. Today, there are none. That's interesting. Yeah, that I, is. I haven't been there to check it out, but, um, you know, it's an interesting comment, right? Mm. Um, no, I think the high, the high streets will be on the way back. We've actually found in the last two or three months that um, whilst we are handling probably the largest number of vacant shops in our portfolio that we've ever had, um, we've seen some significant uh, progress uh, within the last quarter uh, in getting uh, several of them let. So, you know, it, it, it's, it's happening. Yeah, that's, that's good. So you feel like we turned, we have turned the corner, or we're I, close I, I, to turning? No, I, de I definitely do. I mean, uh, also what's significant, I think, is that values probably November, December last year 
I think that probably was the pits. And already um, you were seeing by March uh, a significant improvement in investment yield in the retail sector. George can probably back those numbers up better than me. Um, and, and, and of course, now uh, we're seeing the retailer demand come through uh, mm. as well, you know. Yeah, yeah, that's really good news. And obviously we've got the the, the moratorium on, on business evictions coming to an end very shortly. Well, hopefully, 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 unless they mm. fudge it at the end. I mean, I'm glad you mentioned that because it just reminded me, I wanted to have a rant about the government. You know, they've done absolutely nothing for the landlord through this uh, crisis. You know, the retail occupiers have been given buckets of help the landlords have had absolutely nothing, and not only nothing, worse than that, we've had the bloody moratorium to deal with. Yeah. Right? You know, um, so um, empty rates, when uh, Rishi Sunak came out with the empty rates concession, everyone thought, oh, that's brilliant. But if you happen to be a landlord of an empty shop that was empty prior to the 1st of April last year, that relief wasn't applicable to you. If you had a shop let, on the 1st of April, and the tenant went bust a few weeks later, then you'd get the relief. But your empty shop prior to 1st of April, no, that relief was not there for you. All governments of, well, of whatever shade um, never have a problem beating up the property industry because they never see that there are many votes in it. You know, landlords' votes are not going to win them or lose them elections. So they can always behave with us in a, you know, a really cavalier fashion. Mm -hmm. And what everyone's lose sight of is today, in today's society, everyone's a landlord, whether it's your pension fund or your insurance policy or your stock market holding or whatever it is you've got a little bit of money in, you are a landlord. Why that message cannot be got across to the public and the government, I do not know. Mm. I'll stop now. No, yeah, stop passing comments. I think. <laughs> I'm glad. I'm glad you made the point. Um, so George, we must must come on on to you before before we wrap up because I'd love to get your perspective really on on where where we are in the market. Does that tie in with with what Anthony's sort of feeling? Um, yeah, I mean, it, 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 it's really encouraging to hear about about occupancies. I mean, you take Marlow; it's obviously a it's a great little town. I, I think that the you know there's a realism. So I, I, I need a little bit of turbulence to do what we do to make people either buy or sell. Uh, and there's probably a bit of turbulence in the rental market as, as made landlords think, well, perhaps this shop in Marlow isn't 100 grand a year. Perhaps someone, if they pay me 60 grand a year and percentage of turnover in addition, perhaps that's a good way to go. Um, and I think that's part of why these lettings are taking place, because landlords are saying, well, I don't need a 10-year lease. I'll, perhaps do, you know, I'll do a two-year lease. They have more flexibility because, they, quite frankly, they've had to. I think that will breed new businesses. I mean, there's more new businesses being created on a daily basis in the thick of last year than ever. And some of those will be paying rent on high streets and paying rates, which is really, really, really positive. I think the, from where I'm, we're seeing plenty of demand for assets um, because there's a frustration. Um, you've got the wonderful concept of uh, plenty of cash and rising interest, sorry, rising inflation, I hear. Um, so that's the buzzword this week. And if inflation typically is, property is is seen as a inflation hedge but yet rates of borrowing are so low um so it's allowing you know steve mentioned the the the, the finance houses who sat alongside him with his two examples you know together and, and rothschilds you know with the right borrower 
the finance, the finance rates, I think you're talking three and a half percent, three and a half four percent, and my market is averaging eight percent. Um, and Stephen is talking north of thirty percent for shopping centres. So there's a really good arbitrage between borrowing levels um, and and returns, and that's you know, there, there is a theory you should borrow a lot of money for a very short time at the moment, uh, and that's 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 going to drive our market for a bit, which is good. I think the other point is that values, capital values, I think rental values, just who knows, but capital values, I think people are now confident that there is a level at which they can they can put a price on something which mm-hmm. also allows them to upgrade. They might sell a two million pound asset so they could buy a 10 million pound asset. And and we're seeing that uh, increasingly. So people are selling things that you know you might not typically sell industrials, but actually if you're going to sell a three million pound industrial to buy a 30 million pound industrial, it kind of makes sense. And I think people are reaching that um that point in the market. Um, obviously, Stephen Ashworth won't sell industrials. But if you do, Stephen, give me a call. <laughs> but as an example, I, I think that people are okay. Right, we can reset the dials. I've always thought this asset's worth two million pounds. I can now get my two million pounds um, for this asset, and I can then go and buy five or six or seven million pound or a one million pound site and spend four million pounds on it. So I think that's where people are up to a degree of confidence from sellers because the appetite's there. We we did we did as much in the last twelve months as the, as the twelve months before. So that yeah. the buyers are still there, trading all throughout. You you wonder sometimes how we did trade through lockdown, but it it worked because people were there. That's great. Mm-hmm. We we found the right, we found the price. Yeah. Like as you know, I could bang on for a long time, but I think <laughs> some of the where <laughs> and we more, are. So I I think you've you've already you've you've sold five shopping centres already. Um, yes, we're talking I mean, ahead of a, your June sale, so yeah. We, um, I mean, the shopping centres, auctioneers are you know we we we're opportunistic in a way. Um, I did a piece the other day with you, Julia. That, that um, there's a, you know, the five stages of of grief. You know that the shopping centre owners have reached the acceptance stage. They've stopped being, stopped pretending it's worth 35 million. They've now accepted, you know, they've accepted the price that it's very, very hard to price it. And you leave entrepreneurs like Stephen to say, "Yep, I'll back it." Everything's telling me don't go to Dumfries. Everything's telling me don't back retail. Everything's telling me. Therefore, people like Stephen and many others will stamp up with their checkbooks. And they'll give these a go, and and because the the sellers of Coventry were, you know, there, there was other reasons, but they said, okay, we've had it on the market for 12 months, we can't get it across the line. Let's see what the market will pay for it. We had 20 people lined up, and every shopping centre since, we've had a slightly different range of buyers lining up to do it, and they mm. haven't all been five million pounds. We've done 15 million in in, in shopping centres this year, but it just, I just love, it. I love this part of my job. When you look, you know, day before the auction, look down the list. Our Hurstwood there is, you know, are these people there? Why are they there? What work are they likely to bid? And it's every stage, every time is different. When we had the Coventry one back in February, there was a chap who'd bought three or four at the end of last year. He thought he had the world to himself. He was on the phone saying, nope, you know, you know I'm the only buyer. I've got my money. This is the price. Tell him to take it. And the satisfaction of actually letting the market work it out is quite fun. Mm. Quite fun. And I'm not saying the prices are knockout at all. I'm saying that the seller who wants to, wants to move it on for all sorts of reasons, um, that the, the market is alive with with, with optimism for it, which is brilliant. To see. Yeah, the, the buyers are there. That's brilliant. Yeah. Well, that that that's all we've got time for. Um, but you've given us all a, a great insight into how different types of investor are navigating the market. So my thanks to Stephen Ashworth, Anthony Ratcliffe, and George Walker, and thank you for listening. Thank you. Thank you. 